Welcome to another inspirational teaching from Faith Family Church by Senior Pastor Mike DeBenke. For more information about our ministry, visit us on the web at myffc.tv. see we are uh, committed to celebrating uh, this is used to be our ugly Christmas sweater Sunday where we actually had a competition and it got so ugly we had to change it to just a participation I mean some of those things were the flat ugly and gross so uh, everybody who wore something like this a shirt that celebrates Christmas um, you are eligible you hopefully got a ticket. Anybody wearing a shirt didn't get a ticket when you came in? Right back there. If we could get a ticket, raise your hand up high. Right there. And uh, we're going to have a drawing at the end of service. Somebody who participates, because we like rewarding people who participate. I did have to break the news to my dad this morning. as uh, He said, oh, it's the uh, ugly Christmas sweater. I said, yeah, but you don't qualify. And uh, he didn't like that, but uh, he said, oh, well. Uh, but anyway, if you're wearing a shirt like this, you qualify. We're going to have a drawing. What's the thing? I think it's 100 bucks. 100 bucks. Hey, that's pretty handy this time of year. Amen? And I want to say thanks to everybody who came out for our Christmas party in the courtyard. Uh, had a great time. And I know a lot of you guys, um, not so much lately, but a lot of people get real hardcore against Santa Claus around, or Santa Claus around Christmas. You know, it's about Jesus. It's about Jesus. It is. But the cool thing was our Santa Claus that was here on Friday night, all he did was preach Jesus the whole time. He made sure the little kids knew who Jesus was. He made sure us older kids knew who Jesus was. I, I saw him talking to my dad about how long have you been walking with Jesus? What, what's happened in your life through Jesus? I mean, this guy was just amazing. So if you didn't make it, you missed out. We had a great time, a lot of great food and a lot of fun. Um, if you did, you know it, right? So crazy things going on in the world, but we're going to go ahead and uh, celebrate the birth of our Savior. Uh, we looked last week at the Prince, our Prince of Peace. Behold, our Prince of Peace has come. And today, this week, we're going to look at behold the preparation of the coming Messiah. And we're really drilling in on this word behold. And we're looking at um, a certain translation that uh, uses the word behold more than others. Some of the other translations use the word see, uh, look. If you're reading Old Te or King James, seeth and looketh, uh, you know. But we're, we're kind of trying to, to see just when God says something important and he says it in a way to get your attention, it will behoove you to pay attention, not be distracted, not, not, not let the concerns of this life pull you away from what God is saying. Look at this. This is what you need to focus on. This is what you need to be looking at in a time like last week, they were they were stressed, man. They were anxious. They were they were going through some difficult times, and God's saying, "Behold, look," and He's trying to get their attention off the problems and get their attention onto the promise, which is our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. So as we get ready to go into service, we're going to pray. I encourage y'all 
Just ask God to show you something new today. Ask him just, you know, you're here. You, you did what you need to do. You got up, you got ready, and you're in church. Now expect something special from God today. Not from me, but God can use me to deliver something that would speak to your spirit, encourage, strengthen your position in, in who you are in Christ and what you believe about God. And you can be ready to go out and let your light shine in a dark world. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for today. Today's the day that you've made. So, Father, we choose to rejoice and be glad in it. We thank you so much for sending your son. As we spend this month celebrating your son, our Savior, we just ask for a deeper and a more full revelation of what it means to have a Savior who came to earth to set us free from sin and bondage and to put us back in relationship with you. Open our eyes today, Lord. Let us see truths that we haven't seen before. Strengthen our position in our faith with you. And Father, fill our hearts with everything you have for us. We refuse to be distracted. And Father, we refuse to be anxious. But we focus on what you have for us. It's in Jesus' matchless name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, so last week we, we, we talked about the whole... I even got a, a couple texts. Um, one of them was... Uh, Pastor Mike, I, I know what you were saying, but why did you keep saying behold over and over again? <laughs> and, and the truth is, I'm trying to stress a point where the Bible doesn't help you if you don't receive it for you. It's just religious stories. If you don't see that's a love letter from God writing you promises that he says he'll fulfill in your life for you and through you, then what's the sense? Why bother going to church if it's not personal? Amen? And we looked at how our Prince of Peace, no matter what you're facing, you and God can get through. God can give you peace, the Bible says, that surpasses understanding, which means you just say, you know what, I don't know how he's going to do it. I just know he's going to do it. I don't know what it's going to take to get this to work out. I just know he's going to do it, and I can rest in him. I can, I can be at peace with him. And I know that as I focus on him, what does it say? That, it, that peace will guard our hearts and our mind. What gets us in trouble in life? Our hearts and our mind. Our mind runs places it shouldn't go, thinks about things it shouldn't think about, stresses about things that aren't even here yet. And this says that as we focus on these promises, as we focus on the Messiah, it will guard our heart. It will protect our heart and our mind from drifting and keep us focused on what God has for us. Right? So today we're going to look at all the preparation. We're going to behold the preparation of the coming Messiah. And it's incredible. We don't have time to, to, to go over all of it. We're just going to do, I'm going to do my best to get through it. And I want you to understand, when God, depending on what translation you like to read in, when God says see or look or behold, that's something to pay attention to. It's not just a filler word. It's an intentional, hey, you. Look at this. Don't miss what's being said. Don't be distracted from what I'm doing. It's, it's like grab your face like, tune in, right? And, and if we start reading the Bible like that, instead of just, read my Bible, I do my duty. No, but we start reading the Bible, and we're looking. The Bible talks about looking into the perfect law of liberty, looking in and seeing who you are. And when you walk away from it, you don't forget what it means to walk with Jesus, you're locked in. You're in step with what God's doing, and you're, you're following the steps he has for you so you can walk out the promises that he's given you 
so the people around you know that God's real. How many of you know the, the world needs to know God's real? He's not just our religion. People ask you, what religion are you? I'm not a religion. I'm not a religious person. I'm a person in relationship with a living God who is who the Bible says he is and does what the Bible says he does. Amen? So, it's important. Like, I'll, I'll give you an example. When the children of Israel were in the wilderness, and this is in Numbers 21, I believe, they're in the wilderness, and they've been rebelling against God. They've been talking bad about God and talking bad about Moses and saying all these terrible things. So God gets mad, and if you understand study the Hebrew, the most Bibles that we read says that God let or God caused all of these poisonous serpents to come into the camp and start biting the people, and they were dying. But really what happened was because of their rebellion, God just pulled back his protection, and of course the enemy was able to use what he would, snakes, and they come in, they start biting these people, and they start dying right there everywhere. It's like, you know, just all over the place, all these snakes are converging on them. And they run to Moses and say, Moses, we sinned. We sinned against you. We sinned against God. And we are so sorry. Of course you are. You're dying, you know. And, and they said, please, go to God and tell him we're sorry. So Moses says, okay. He goes to God. God tells Moses, he says, fashion a, a serpent out of bronze. Now you realize this is going to take time. The snakes are still biting people. There's anywhere from one to three million people there, and these snakes are biting them, and they're dying, and they're freaking out, and they can't get away from them. Moses goes and fashions this serpent out of bronze, and God tells him to put it on a pole and raise it up high. And he says, anyone that looks at it or looketh at it or seeth it, whatever translation you read, whoever focuses, really it's one of the same words, whoever beholds this bronze serpent on a pole will be saved. Even if the snake bites them, they won't die. Now think about this. You got family members, loved ones, you're getting bit, dropping dead. You got snakes coming after you. This is not just a quick Bible story. This is reality. This was really happening. And God says, in the midst with all these snakes coming and you've already seen people die, behold, focus, look at this. When God says to look at something, it's important that we take the time and we stop being distracted by the world. We stop being distracted by our problems. We stop being distracted by the situation. And we say, yes, God, <laughs> I'm looking at you. Because that bronze serpent was a, a type and a shadow of Jesus being crucified on the cross that brought salvation to all of us. It also brought, what, deliverance, healing, um, peace of mind. Jesus gave us so much through salvation. But the ones who stopped, even though the snakes are crawling over their feet, even though they might be biting them and focused on that, that bronze serpent, the Bible says they didn't die. They lived. That's a miraculous work of God because he got them to stop being distracted, stop complaining about what you don't have and what you don't like, and look to God, and he'll get you through. Does that make sense? So that's why we're drilling in on this, this word, behold, and we're focusing on what it means and why it's in the, in the Bible for us to look at. And I want to talk about today the, um, the first prophetic word talking about Jesus. Not when God did what he did in the garden, but the first time he used a man to prophesy about 
the coming Messiah. And it's going to be an unusual place, a place a lot of you might not even realize is talking about Jesus. But as we go there, <clears throat> I want to encourage you that it, it's just as much as in line with the prophetic word of Jesus as when Zechariah was visited by the angel in the temple, as when the angel came and talked to Mary, as when the angel uh, moved on Elizabeth and she became pregnant. And when Mary walked into the house, she's six months pregnant. And the Bible says, behold, the child within me leapt because he was in the presence of the unborn child, Jesus, in Mary's stomach. So God's saying, pay attention. Look at this. This is important stuff. So hopefully I have your attention. Amen? So we're going to look in Numbers chapter 24. And when you get to Numbers chapter 24, we're going to see a glimpse into the first beholding of the coming Messiah, the first beholding of the coming Jesus. And we're going to look at a guy that, by name, some of you might not even recognize him. His name is Balaam. Now, the crazy thing about this guy, Balaam, is he's a non-Israelite. He's a Gentile. He's, he's a pagan. But yet God uses him to speak prophetic words to the people. So much so that the prince of Moab, this country that was there, he, he knows that whatever Balaam says, if he says these people were blessed, they're going to be blessed. And if he says this, this group of people are cursed, they're going to be cursed. He has full confidence in what this prophet of God, even though he himself is not a God worshiper, he knows what this guy says happens. So he calls for Balaam, this non-Israelite, which just boggles people's mind. A lot of people, a lot of theologians throughout history really struggle with why would God use a non-Israelite, not a covenant child, to speak about the coming Messiah. You know, Martin Luther struggled with it. And he, actually, he's quoted as saying, well, I guess the truth is not dependent upon the character of the person. That's the way I would say it. That's but, you know, what he's saying is just because somebody might not be completely right with God doesn't mean what they say is not truth. Another theologian said this, a blind man can hold a torch and benefit those around him, yet it does him no good. Because Balaam is not a, he's, he's not a child of God. He's not heir to the promise. But yet God uses him to speak his word. And people listen. And it, it's kind of like the, in the 80s when I first got into ministry, there was a guy in Las Vegas who he had the, the Bible memorized. You could tell him, any, just mention a scripture and he could quote that scripture to you. Any part of the Bible. He had like a photographic memory. And his show in Vegas was to somebody yell, you know, hey, not John 3.16. Everybody knows that. If you watch football, you know what that is. But any scripture, even the, the, the obscure ones, and he would quote it to you. But the thing was, this man was not born again. He knew the Bible frontwards and backwards, but he did not have any benefit of the word of God because he didn't believe in God or Jesus. But yet he knew the word. And it's like this. Somebody around you may not be perfect. They may not be who you think should speak for God. But God uses imperfect people all the time. He's using one this morning. <laughs> you know? I mean... I'm blessed that God can go beyond what I have to give to share his word with you. Because if it was up to me, we'd all be in trouble, right? And, and there's times where after service, some of you will come up and you'll say, 
Pastor Mike, when you said that, I just saw what it meant. I just, I could just see the word come alive. And a lot of those times, I don't usually tell them why they're talking to me, but I don't remember saying that. I'm not even sure I did say. I think God used what I said and made it sound like that when it got to their ears. The blessing and the anointing of God can do amazing things through imperfect people, right? So we got this guy, Balaam. Now, Balaam's famous, but does anybody know why he's famous? He's famous because he has a talking donkey. Seriously, it's in the Bible. He had donkey before donkey was donkey and Shrek, he had donkey. You guys see the movie, you know what that means, right? His donkey actually talked. And that's what most people who know about him, that's what they, that's what they think. Oh, he's the guy with the talking donkey. And we're going to look at the story. We're going to see what he has to say. Amen? So in Numbers 28, we find that Balaam, who's a, a prophet of God, he's used, he, they would call him seers. They could, they could see into, into what God was about to pronounce, what God was going to do, and then they would share with people. And he's, he's used by God mightily, but yet he's kind of aligning himself with this prince of Moab because the, the prince or the king of Moab is looking, and here comes all these people, the Bible says, from Egypt. And they're blessed. Wherever they go, things work out for him. And he is scared to death. He's like, if they come here, we're, what are we going to do? We can't fight them. They're blessed. So he decides to hire the prophet to say something bad about the children of Israel so he'll have confidence that he can stand against them. Because whatever he says, if he says they're cursed, then they're cursed and we can beat them. Now, Balaam is like, you know, I, I, I speak what God tells me to. But then as the king of Moab starts offering him money, I'll give you a lot of silver and gold. He's like, hmm, hmm, this is something to think about. And as he decides, he's on his way to go talk to the king of Moab. God gets kind of angry at him because God's like, hey, I trusted this. I trusted you with my word. And you're going to go ahead and cheapen it by falsifying something, saying I said, so this guy will give you money? So God sends an angel, and this angel shows up as Balaam is going down the road to, to meet with the king of Moab. The donkey, which is pretty cool, the donkey, as they're going down the road, looks up, and he sees the angel of the Lord with his sword drawn, ready to kill um, Balaam. So the donkey takes off running. Hey, you see TikTok where you see that guy on the donkey that takes off running? I'm not allowed to show it or they cut us out because of copyright or something. But anyway, it's really funny. This donkey, donkey takes off running. The guy can't control it at all. And he just bounces along. That's what happens with Balaam. His donkey sees the angel. He takes off out into a field. And the, the Bible says that Balaam beating him with a stick. You know, what are you doing? Stop doing that. And the donkey runs all the way out and around the angel and then goes. And as they go a little bit further, there, there's vineyards. There's like walls on both sides. And the donkey looks up, and there's that angel again with the sword. So the donkey, it says, goes all the way as far as he can over against the wall to the point that he's actually rubbing it, and he crushes Balaam's foot. And Balaam's beating that donkey with a stick, saying, what are you doing? You're crazy. What are you doing? You know, and he goes around the angel again. But then the next time, the angel's standing in a place where there's nowhere for him to go. And he's standing with the sword drawn. So the donkey looks up and sees the angel, and he just falls over. 
He falls over and he lays down on Balaam. is freaking out. He's beating this donkey with a stick. And here's the fun part. The donkey turns around and looks at him and says, why are you beating me? That's a freaky moment right now. You know, it'd be like you correcting your dog for something and he talks back to you. You know, I mean, you know, it's, it's like the videos, you know, where they have the animals talk back. It's pretty crazy. This actually happened. And he's like, and the donkey says, haven't I been a good donkey to you your whole life? You've ridden on me. And Balaam's screaming, yeah, but if I had a sword, I would kill you. And the angel is there with his sword. And the angel looks at Balaam and he says, why are you beating your donkey? He says, that donkey has saved your life three times. Because God has sent me to take you out. That's what he's famous for, his talking donkey. But when Balaam sees the angel of the Lord with his sword, he realizes he needs to get in step with God. He needs to stop thinking about his own mission and start doing what God called him to. And the angel says, okay, if you're going to do it, then you go and you say only what God tells you. And Balaam's like, okay, okay, you know, all right, you know, sorry, donkey, you know, good boy. And he gets up and he goes to, to the king of Moab. And the king of Moab's like, all right, go ahead, say something bad about him. We need, to, we need this one. This is important. Say something bad. And Balaam says, I can't say anything bad about them. They're a blessed people. They're coming whether you like it or not, basically. And what's happened is that now we have this prophetic Gentile about to speak the first prophetic words about the coming Messiah. And that's what we're going to look at in Numbers chapter 24. You guys with me? These stories are important. Balaam says this. He says, I see him. He's talking about Jesus. But not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. It shall crush the forehead of Moab and break down all the sons of Sheath. This is the first behold that God starts prophesying about his coming Messiah, his son, our Savior. And he's telling all of us, pay attention to this. Now, there are some theologians that say this um, prophecy could be about David. If you look at it and he talks about a king, king of kings, and a star, back in, in this time, what they, when they would say a star is set, it was talking about a king. So this, to me, is a clear reference to the coming Messiah. And, and there's a lot of uh, early church writers who said this was talking about the Messiah. There's a lot of historians who say this is talking about the Messiah. So God is saying, behold, look, don't miss this. This is important news. Don't let anything distract you from this. There's a one coming. There's one coming who's going to be the savior. He's going to be the king of kings. He's going to be the Lord of lords. And, and here we've got this non-Israelite pagan man who gets the first glimpse of the coming Messiah and speaks it to other people. And that just freaks out the Israelites because at this time they kind of thought they were better than everybody else. Hey, we're God's chosen. You're not. You know, we're better than you. 
nanny, 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 you know, type thing. They just had a real attitude about being God's chosen. And a lot of people struggle with the fact that God would use a non-Israelite to give the first mention of becoming Messiah. But I'm here to tell you, God will use just about anything that you'll listen to to let you know he's got a plan for you, to let you know he knows what you're going through. And if you'll focus, behold, if you'll not be distracted, if you get your eyes on him, he'll get you through it. And that's really the point that, that he's making in the scripture is we need to behold. Now, we talked about behold last week. I gave definitions of it. There's another behold that, that you need to understand, and it's, it's almost like what Balaam is saying here. I, I'm, I'm beholding him. He's getting a glimpse in the spirit, you know, because the spirit's on him, resting on him. It's not in him. But he's getting a glimpse in the spirit of the Son of God coming in human form. This is so contrary to anything they would expect. This is like big news, hold the presses type thing. And here Balaam is saying, I'm beholding, I'm, I'm awestruck. I'm like, it's, it's kind of like when I saw Donna in her wedding dress almost 40 years ago. My wife, by the way, just because she didn't know. When I saw her, I literally got weak in my knees. I was like, wow. I was beholding her. I was, nothing else mattered. I wasn't seeing anything else anywhere around. I just was looking at her like, That's kind of like what Balaam is doing here, seeing this. He goes, I see him. He's, he, he's, he's not near, you know, not now, but he's coming. And, and he's seeing with reality, it's revealed to him just what it means to have God send his son, our Messiah, our Savior, and what it's going to do for mankind. This is the first behold that we see this in. And it's so important that, that we, we grab a hold of the importance of when the Bible says, look at this, or it says, make sure you see this, or behold, that you take the time to really get into it. Don't just read your Bible at surface level. It's not going to help you. Study it. Find out what it's actually saying to you. Read it in context so you can get the benefit of it. Amen? So, in Isaiah 7.14, literally... We used last week, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and, shall call, and you shall call his name Emmanuel. This, this is a prophet hundreds of years before Jesus' birth. God's using him to tell the people, behold, pay attention. This is big news. Jeremiah, who, who Isaiah predates Jeremiah in 3131, he talks about behold. Another prophetic word. It says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant. Talking about the covenant of salvation, the covenant of grace through Jesus Christ. I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Jacob. God is letting his people know that there's something big coming. And we need to look for it. We need to focus on it. We need to behold what God is talking about. In other words, don't be distracted. Don't let your situation or your circumstance take your eyes off what God's got for you. Because if you do, remember we talked about Peter on the water. Peter literally, because Jesus said, come, he spoke the word come. That's all Peter needed. The word of God, and he stepped out in faith, and he stood on water, and he walked on water. 
But when his eyes got distracted, he stopped beholding Jesus. And he looked at the circumstance and the situation and the problems around him. He started to sink. I'm not a doomsday preacher, but I believe without a doubt we're entering into days where as Christ followers, we need to keep our eyes on God. We need to keep our eyes on Jesus. If we allow the distractions to take our off of God and his promises, fear will try to creep in. Fear will try to distract us and get us anxious. Amen? Jeremiah 31, 31. I'm going to read just a few verses here so you can get the context of what's being said. Because what God is doing is he's using his prophets and he's saying, it's coming. Behold, it's coming. Something big's coming. Get ready. Get ready, get ready, get ready. You know what I mean? Get ready. Get, be prepared for what God has for you. Don't just be out with your head in the sand or watching CNN. But be expecting and be looking towards God. Amen? And I'm not against CNN. I don't, actually, I don't watch it, so I don't know. Jeremiah 31, 31. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord. I know we just read it, but I'm going to read the rest of it too. I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. That's when they all came out of Egypt. Remember, he set them free. My covenant that they broke, by the way, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. Listen to this. No longer do we have to follow the law that's written on stone. Look what he's saying. He's talking about something much more personal. I will put my law with them, and I will write it on their hearts. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each one his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity. Sound familiar? The forgiveness of sin, it comes through Jesus Christ. I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sins no more. He's pointing to Jesus, and he's trying to get mankind's attention. And he's, and he's trying to get them to behold, to, to look, to focus on, and, and to not let other things get in the way. And now we're going to get to where the angel comes to Mary. And here's the thing about Christmas messages. This is like my, I think, 30-something Christmas message. And we talk about the same thing. Christmas is one of the hardest times to preach because you've got to come up with something new about something you've talked about over and over and over and over again. And I really believe that God is meeting us here. And I don't want you to tune out just because it's another Christmas message. Oh, I know the story about the virgin. She gets pregnant. You know. God's got more to say. He's got more to reveal if you'll just behold. Okay? So are you with me? Anybody sleeping? Raise your hand if you're sleeping. I knew one person would do it. Thank you, Ryan. <laughs> Somebody wake him up. So we get to this familiar part of Christmas, and, and, and he's, God's been through time. He's been saying, boom, boom, boom. It's coming, it's coming, it's coming. Look, it's coming. And now Gabriel, the archangel, shows up and talks to Mary. And he starts telling her what's going to happen. And he gives her a behold. Mary, pay attention to this. Mary, this is important. I use, I use Balaam, I use a talky donkey, now I'm going to use you. 
And Mary gets her own personal behold, which we can pay attention to. We can look at it and let it be our behold. And he's saying that this, this is something I've been preparing for a while, and I need you to be ready. I need you to be all in. Because some of the times when God shows up with a behold, people are like, mm, no, I don't think so. You know, and when you, when you read about angelic appearances in the Bible, they don't happen often. But when they do, it's important how people respond. And we're going to look at that in detail in just a couple minutes. But here in chapter, uh, Luke chapter 1, verse 26, I'm going to read through it. Uh, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man. Now, what this means, betrothed, is their marriage, their wedding, had three different stages. Now, she's betrothed, which means she's legally bound to Joseph, her husband, but they have not consummated the marriage. They haven't gone through all of the ceremony. They, they, haven't, um, they haven't done the married thing. You know what I'm talking about, right? Everybody in here? Okay. If you don't, ask the person next to you. They'll explain it to you. But she's, she's betrothed to him. She's promised to him, legally bound to him as his wife to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, old favored one, the Lord is with you. But like with most angelic visits, she was greatly troubled. What that means is, when an angel shows up, it can scare the living daylight out of you. So she was scared. She was frightened. What is this? Oh, my gosh. She was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. Immediately, she's trying to figure out, is this a good visit or a bad visit? Is this something God's going to bless me with, or am I about to get into a lot of trouble? This girl, now she's, she's anywhere, it's estimated between 13 and 15 years old. So she's young. She's not thinking about the Savior of the world. She's probably thinking about what her life's going to be like after she marries Joseph. How many kids? <coughs> well, that's gross. I apologize. <coughs> kids are they going to have, you know? And this angel shows up with his greeting, and she's trying to figure it out. Verse 30, and the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. And then Mary, like any teenager, would probably say, how is this going to happen? I'm a virgin. I learned through school or through mom and dad, the birds and the bees, I know what it takes to have a baby. I'm not qualified. But the angel kind of says, don't worry about it. We got that covered. But she's trying to to understand and to be connected to this behold, this, this news, this announcement. 
Verse 35, and the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative, here's another behold. Pay attention to this, Mary. This is part of the story. Look at this. Don't be distracted. Your cousin Elizabeth, who's an old woman in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her, who was called barren. She can never have kids. Now all of a sudden, late in life, she's having a baby. And she's six months pregnant. For nothing, hear this, some of you need to hear this today more than anything else I say. For nothing will be impossible with God. Some of you are looking at things and you're thinking, I don't know, how, what am I going to, how's it going to work? How's God going to get me through this? How are we going to pay those bills? How are we going to get another job? How am I going to get past this diagnosis? How, how, how? And the angel is saying, and he's saying, behold, to you right here today, behold, nothing is impossible with God. You and God can make it happen. You, with God, can walk it out. Amen? For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. This is just incredible, this young teenage girl. Now, she knows what's going to happen when she ends up being pregnant, first of all, at this point, Joseph didn't get a behold. He doesn't know about it. Now, you know she's thinking, I'm going to be pregnant. What's my future husband going to say? What are my parents going to say? Boy, the town gossip's going to have plenty to say. This is going to go through all throughout the town. Everybody's going to know. My reputation's going to be ruined. She's, she's thinking, and she's, you know, all this stuff is her reality. But at 13 to 15 years old, she doesn't care about that stuff. She'd say, hold on, hold on, you've got to go talk to my parents first. You know, hold on, hold on, are you going to tell the whole town what's going on so they don't shame me? No. He's talking to her. And this is what I want you to hear today. God will talk to every one of us. He'll show us things that he wants us to do. He may want you to, 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 to sacrifice something, to give something. Why? Because he wants you to live a blessed life so you can be a blessing. He may tell you to share with that person over there what I told you, you know, the, the, the testimony you have, or talk to him about my son. And, and you, you can say, oh, they're going to think I'm weird, or I can't do that at work. And, and, and God is saying, you need to be ready to do what I tell you. Because the people around you, people where you go, need to hear the beholds that God has given you. They need to have something to look towards that's bigger than their situation. And God will use you just like he used Mary. Mary was a normal person, but God's using her to do an extraordinary thing. The prophets in the Bible were just normal people, but God used them to do extraordinary things. That was just a normal donkey, but God used it to do an extraordinary thing. And he wants to use you in a world that so desperately needs some beholds. Look at God. Look what look to God instead of all around. You guys getting this? I hope you're understanding. Look what she says, and this just blows me away. She doesn't worry about what it's going to cost her. She doesn't worry about if she's going to be shamed or if she's going to be embarrassed. Or she might lose her husband that she's already betrothed to. Look what she says. Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Let it be to me according to your word. 
You know, when Zechariah, when the angel showed up to him in the temple and told him that you're going to have a child, Zechariah was like, what? Wait a second. How's that going to happen? That can't happen. I'm old. She's never been able to have. He started giving all the reasons why it couldn't happen. And the angel was offended. He said, I'm offended by what you're saying. And he, wouldn't, he, he was mute. He was dumb until the baby was born. He wouldn't let him say anything. Why? Because his mouth was getting away from him and probably would say the wrong things. But God needs ordinary people to be willing to do extraordinary things for the people around us. This is the season for us to let our light shine. This is the time for us to share our testimonies, to tell people we work with, we, we play with, we, we run with. God's made a difference in my life. This whole Christmas thing, I know that guy. I know it. He's my Savior. He's not just in all the, the, the manger scenes and all the nativity scenes. I know him personally, and I can introduce you personally. God is looking for us to be like Mary. Not worry about what it might cost you. Maybe they'll think you're weird, or maybe you'll have to give something up, but God's got something better for you. Maybe you'll have to step out in faith and do something you didn't think you could do. But God's going to use you in a way that will reach the people around you. Don't worry about what it costs you. Be honored that God's tapping you on the shoulder and say, hey, 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 I want to use you. It's not something you have to do. It's something you get to do. It's something that God says, you, step up, get off the bench. Come on, it's time to get you in the game. Share with that person. Send a note to that person. Go lay hands on that sick person. You're not the one going to heal them. Why stress about it? You don't have the power to heal, but God says believers lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. All you have to do is believe. Well, what if I, what if I did something wrong? You did. Every one of us have. But God's still saying for you, hey, I, you're in the game. Come on. Mary, you're in the game. She didn't sit there and, and talk herself out of it. Zachariah almost did. Gideon, when he was hiding, trying to get a little bit of food, the angel showed up to him and said, Hello, mighty man of valor. Gideon said, Why are you kidding? I'm no mighty man. I'm not, go talk to somebody else. I'm the least in my family. My family is the least in town. We're the bottom dwellers here. We're nothing special. God's going to lead you. Now in this season, he's going to tap you on the shoulder. But are you ready for a behold? Behold, go talk to your neighbor. Behold, share with your son the testimony of when I healed you. Behold, talk to that woman. You don't know what's going on behind the scenes. And don't ever think that you've got to figure it out because God was preparing Jesus' birth for hundreds of years, getting people in the right place at the right time to say the right thing, to say, declare, behold, so that people would hear. You don't got to know how it works. All you got to know is that God can work it out. And you're part of the plan. The Bible says every one of us are part of the plan. We're all going to be in a place where nobody else is going to be at the right time with somebody who needs to hear a behold. Listen to what God did in my family. Listen to the party we had the other night. Santa Claus was talking about Jesus. Be the person that declares the behold to those who can't see. And let God open their eyes through what you share. We all need to be like Mary. She didn't look at it as what she has to do. She looked at it as what she gets to do. 
when God says that we, we've got our, our series we just did on tithing, and I'm hearing so many, we've got some videos we're working out where I'm going to show you some videos where God just showed up big in people's lives. And, and they decided to step out in faith and do what God told them to. And God showed up and blessed them, but they had to first behold. God says to bring the first fruits, and he'll bless it, and he'll give you blessings that you can't get any other way. But you have to first do what he says. That takes faith. Talking to somebody you work with takes faith. Sharing with a sick person that God wants them well takes faith. Don't worry about your reputation. Mary didn't. Just be used by God. The Bible says tools in the master's hand. Mary literally from this moment on. Now Joseph did get a behold, by the way. In Matthew 1, we see where he got a couple of beholds in his sleep and the angel told him, don't worry about it. You know, it's okay. This is God's plan. She hasn't been stepping out on you. This is, this is going to be the son of God. So he got his beholds, but Mary didn't know that. Mary just had to say, okay, I'm a servant of the Lord. Be it unto me. And she was ready to do it. She was so committed. She was so all in that Mary literally sang the first Christmas carol. Look with me, if you will, to cutting out most of my message here. <laughs> Luke chapter 1, verse 46 this is, it's titled in, in my Bible, it says, Mary's Song of Praise, the Magnificent. But this is what Mary says after the angel shared with her what's about to happen and how God's going to use her. And Mary's saying, my soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices to God, my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, now this song goes all the way through verse 55, I'm not going to read that much. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and, is ho and holy is his name. When God said what he needed Mary for, she didn't sit there and look at what it cost her. She was blessed and honored to be used by God. And I think every one of us need to make a decision in our heart. Are we a servant of the Lord? Are we willing to be used by God? Because if you are, he'll use you. There's people that only you can reach for him. People that trust you. You tell them your preacher says that, and they think, oh, that's just a preacher. Talk about tithing. Oh, he just wants your money. But when you tell them your story, and they know you, and they trust you, and they know you care about them, they're going to listen. When they're facing a, a diagnosis that the doctor says, oh, nothing we can do. But you go up and say, hey, I know a person who got healed of that. Not because of doctors, but because they believed God. And he sent his word and healed them. They'll listen to you. Preachers have been discredited and overlooked for, for thousands of years. But God can use you like nobody else. If you'll just say, let it be unto me. God, you need me to talk to that person? Let it be unto me. God, do you need me to give that person some money because they're struggling and they need to know you love them? Let it be unto me. God, do you want me to give that person my car? What am I going to do with it without my car? Let it be unto me. If it's like what happened to me, I gave away my car, I got more back instantly. God wants you to step out so he can use you in a powerful way 
And he'll always make sure you're blessed in the process. But let it be unto you. Let's look at God when he taps us on the shoulder to, to step up and to, to volunteer and watch kids in the nursery. And, and we don't just watch them. They minister to them. Children's church, youth group. Be, be, be somebody that shows up to help set up and, and, and prepare for uh, an event at church so people can be blessed by it. Because that's something you have to do. If you come into church and you're like, oh, what are they going to ask me to do today? Your heart's not right. You need to show them and say, God, what, what are we doing today, God? How do you want to use me today? I want to get in the game. I want to be used by you. And when you do that, he'll use you in a powerful way. He'll use you in your neighborhood. He'll use you in your school. He'll use you wherever you go. If you just say, here am I, Lord, use me. It's stuff that we get to do, not stuff that we have to do. Amen? So bow your heads and close your eyes. Think of all the beholds that have happened so that we can get to this place this morning. And we can position ourselves to be used by God to impact people's lives, sometimes for eternity, by sharing what God gives us to share, by doing what God tells us to do. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and you're thinking, man, could God really use me? That time when I felt like I should do something, but I didn't do it? Was that God giving me my own behold? My own opportunity to step out and to get to do something for Him? Just seek Him. Press into Him. Spend time praying with Him, reading His Word, and you'll get to know Him, and you'll, you'll learn His voice. And the next time He shows up and says, Behold, you can say, Be it unto me, Lord, I'm your servant. You will be amazed at what God will use you for and the impact you can make in other people's lives. Hopefully you've all been considering what we're talking about. Now, I don't know everybody's heart, but I know this, God does. So if you're here today, and maybe you're like those people we talked about that have been religious, but you've never really opened up to a relationship, a real relationship with God through His Son, Jesus, and today you heard something that said, you know what? I don't have that. That's missing in my life. All you have to do is invite God in. You don't have to join the church. You don't have to talk like me. You don't got to wear a shirt like this. All you got to do is invite God in and he'll show up. Jesus himself said, I stand at the door and knock. And he's waiting to see if you're going to let him in. So if that's you, I'm going to ask you if you're ready to receive Jesus today. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. Now, know this. I'm not going to call you down front. I'm not going to put you in front of anybody. This is between you and God. I just want you to raise your hand so I know who to pray for this coming week as you start this new journey walking with God, living on the inside of you. So if that's you, nobody else is looking around. If that's you and you want to invite Jesus into your life, I want you to raise your hand now. This is the end of this teaching. We hope you enjoyed it. To stay connected with our ministry, visit us on the web at myffc.tv or like us on Facebook.